He tells us what is going to happen. Now, he doesn't tell us exactly when, as God's promises are typically not dated. Some events are dated in the Scripture, but these were not dated. He simply made a promise and promises that would be fulfilled. There are four names given of God. Some of them are very difficult to read in the book of Isaiah uh, that give a different message in chapters 7 through 12. In his first six chapters, Isaiah focused on the spiritual needs of his people, but in these chapters, he deals with the world's political situation. Now that's important to us because he deals with the control of power not just in America, not just in Europe, but, his con but the control of power all over uh, the world. And those four names have a message or a story that they deliver. For example, the first is an easy one. It's the name Emmanuel. And we find in chapter 7, the story of Emmanuel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 25, and that is a message of hope. Aren't you glad God always gives hope? It doesn't matter how dark the night. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation. It doesn't matter how heavy the burden. God says a better day is coming. That's the message of Emmanuel. I'm going to attempt to read the second name. You'll find it in chapter 8, verse 1 and 3. Mer Shalal Hashbaz. And that's, uh, that's how I pronounce it with phonics. And chapter 8, verses 1 through 22, his message is a warning of judgment. That is judgment of sin. I'm glad this morning, whatever story I'm reading, I'm glad I'm on the winning side. Because judgment is coming on the world of sin. The third name given in chapter 7 and verse number 3 and then again in chapter 9, it is a promise of mercy and the name is pronounced close to this, uh, uh, Sheer Jashub. I don't know how they are interpreting that over there, but it looks like she's making a lot of signs anyway. And uh, you can look it up, uh, give them the verse. Uh, and then the fourth, uh, Isaiah, is the name used, and that's chapter 12 and verses 1 through 6, and it's a song of salvation. Now, when you read these two main verses, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, among these major messages of prophecy, you realize when he made these promises, some of them have already been fulfilled, but you read some of them and you realize, well, that's certainly not the case. God is not in control of government today. He is allowing men in his will to choose whether he will do right or he will do wrong, which means there are more promises of God to come. That fact leads me to the message and the title of the message today, Gifts Not Yet Delivered. Now, now Christmas is far more than exchanging presents and gifts. However, the greatest gift ever given was the Christmas gift when God gave His Son as Savior to the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Now, I don't know if that's the reason or that's the origin of gift giving or gift exchanging, but that's always been in my mind since a boy, as a, a, a child, and even as an adult. The giving of gifts, the exchanging of gifts, reminds us that God gave his son that we could have eternal life. And Paul said it's just our reasonable service that we give our lives back to him for what he has done for us. Now, through the years, we've all experienced gifts that didn't come in time. Now, that was a frustration as a boy. I mean, that was terrible as a boy. How many of you have experienced that, maybe even this year, gifts that didn't get delivered? So excited. I see some of you smiling like that might be going on right now. And, uh, and uh, I, I remember as a boy uh, being excited about the possibility of gifts and, and uh, sometimes they get delayed and then as a parent uh, having gifts and, and uh, they get delayed, you get a notice that says it's not going to be here till the 23rd of December and then you get a note that says uh, that meant December 2024, uh, not this year and there's a disappointment. Uh, well, uh, in the Bible when you read of the prophecies that he gave and the promises that he made, you realize when Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem's manger that not all gifts have yet been delivered. There's more to come. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is you can always say the best is yet to come. There's more to come. The better is to come. And we look at the scripture and we realize this morning there are promises that have not yet been fulfilled. So just as they look forward in an anticipation to the coming of Christ <clears throat> as a babe in Bethlehem, I look forward to the coming of Christ in the clouds of glory to finish the fulfillment of the promises of Isaiah. Now let's be reminded with joy that some of these promises have already been fulfilled. Some of these gifts have already been unwrapped. Some of these gifts have already been received. When I was a five-year-old boy, I was sitting about three-fourths of the way back on the right side here. My pastor was Clyde Jones, Jr., and I remember him preaching, and I, didn't, I, remember, I don't remember everything that he preached, but I remembered this. I remember that all have sinned, and as a payment or a wage of our sin, we're going to die. But Jesus died in our place. And if we'll accept his payment for our sin, we don't have to die forever. But when we die, we would go to heaven. And I thought, I don't want to go to heaven. I, I don't want to go to hell and my parents go to heaven. I don't want to be separated from them. And so I believe what the Bible said. I prayed and I received Christ as my personal Savior. I'll never forget on that day, uh, my pastor during the invitation, he had come down from the uh, platform and he was standing in front of the communion table and I walked down the middle aisle and I shook his hand and I said this, I want to be saved. I received Christ as my Savior. My aunt, who is here today, her and her husband were members of that church, lived there in Xenia, Ohio, where we did, and she was the altar worker on this side. And I knelt on that side, and I told Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I receive you as my Savior. Hey, dear friend, some of the greatest gifts in all of the world, and yet the greatest gift of salvation, I received it on that day. Aren't you glad you're saved? 
If you're here this morning, you've never prayed that prayer of faith. You've never received Christ as your Savior. Today would be the best day in the whole world for you to trust Christ as Savior. In fact, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There are many things that we already enjoy about the coming of Christ. We know that Jesus became God in human flesh. We know that Jesus came as a great teacher. He's our example. And I love the teaching of Christ and the simplicity of Christ. While he would take something so complex and so profound and he would simply tell it like this. He would tell it in an earthly story something like, And a sower went forth to sow. And some seed fell on good ground. And it's amazing the teaching of Christ. He came as a teacher. We've been blessed to have the word of God. The teaching of Christ is recorded. Jesus came as a healer. He came as a miracle worker. I love what his critics said of him that was really true. They said Jesus is a friend of sinners. Aren't you glad he is? That's how I got saved. He became my friend and he saved me in my sin and from my sin. We know that Jesus rose again from the dead after he went to the cross of Calvary bearing our sins on the cross of Calvary. We know that he is in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession. So when I go to the Father in prayer sometimes I don't know exactly what to pray for and Jesus tells the Father not just what I want he tells him what I really need and I'm glad he is my intercessor. I'm glad that he is also my intercessor in the fact that he is my lawyer. He is my advocate in heaven because you know what the devil is? He is the accuser of the brethren. And when you and I fail him and you and I do wrong, Satan goes to the father and he said, I want you to look and see. I want you to see what your child has done. I want you to see that. What a shame that he has committed such wrong. I have an attorney in heaven and dear friend, he stands up on my behalf my advocate and he said wait just a minute now old accuser his sins have been paid for and since the day of his salvation there hasn't been one sin recorded to his account in fact his account has been removed and in the place of his sin is the righteousness of his of Jesus uh, the Messiah the Savior of the world and I'm glad I stand redeemed because of the work of the advocate we know he's in heaven preparing a place for us we, all, we know all of this and we know more and that is the true meaning of Christmas and these Christmas gifts that have already been given, these gifts that have come because of Christ are wonderful but all oh, dear friend, there are many more gifts to come. There are four major points to the message this morning. In fact, some of my kids were at the house yesterday, I believe it was Leah and Leah saw this on the desk and I said, look at that. She held that up, her eyes got big. She said, it looks like a long sermon. I said, it is, it's a long sermon. She said, is that for one day? I said, I'm going to preach till New Year's, starting in the morning. I'm going to give you a half of what I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to finish it tonight. There are four things that we learn in the message today. First of all, we have the gift of his arrival in verse number 6. These verses make great promises concerning the Lord Jesus. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah says, unto us 
a son is given. We've heard that phrase throughout the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The phrase, a child is born, identifies Jesus as a man. The baby Mary brought into the world 2,000 years ago was fully human. He knew pain. He knew sorrow. He knew loss. He knew grief. He knew hunger and thirst and weariness and suffering. And through that virgin birth, the incarnation of Christ, God became a man. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Philippians. Paul taught this, and I love this truth here. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Notice, if you will, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, Paul tells of the incarnation of Christ. He says to us, using Christ's incarnation as an example, Philippians 2 verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, that phrase, a child is born, tells us that God became a man. The phrase, a son is given, identifies him not as man, but it identifies him as God. You see, Jesus was not just God, he was man. He was not just man, he was God. It's a beautiful thing when you see Jesus with the disciples on the ship. At one time, there was a storm, and the Bible says that Jesus was asleep on a pillar in the hinder part of the ship. That's what the Bible says. There he was, we see his humanity. In his weariness, he was asleep on a pillar like some of you are asleep in your pew. Uh, and, and I'm just kidding you. And, uh, uh, and he was asleep on the hinder part. Now here's what the Bible says. The disciples were afraid in the storm and they said this, he don't care about us. And then one of them had enough sense to wake him up. Sometimes storms come in our life and all we do is accuse God rather than pray to God. That's a sermon I preached in August of this past year. Anyway, they woke him up and you know what Jesus did? Here's the man who was asleep because of weariness. Now he steps out on the bow of the ship and he says, Peace be still! And the rain stops. The clouds roll back. The sunshine comes out. The sea lays down. The wind stops blowing. And they said, what manner of man or what kind of man is this? And I'll tell you what kind of man he is. He was completely God. And at the same time, he was completely man. Now the Bible says he was the only begotten of the Father. Now make sure you understand the words. If you pick up a Bible that is a different version than the King James Version, you may pick up a perversion of the Bible. For example, the New International Version said he's the only uh, son of God. He's not the only son of God. I'm a son of God. You're a son of God. Jesus was the only begotten son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. The phrase, a son is given, identifies him as God. Now these truths, 
the truths that Isaiah mentions after these first two phrases are gifts that have yet to be delivered. They were not fulfilled, or, or, or the gifts after this are not fulfilled until after he comes. Isaiah chapter 9, go back to this and look at verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That has taken place. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now I want you to think with me. During the days of Christ, the religious crowd was disappointed in Jesus because they expected every gift to be given on that day. You see, a child is born, that took place. A son is given, that took place. He was man and he was God. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. So they expected Jesus to overthrow the wicked and vile Roman government of the day. They had read it in the book of Isaiah. They had read the prophets. What they didn't understand is not every gift came on Christmas Day, but it was the beginning of the gifts. It was the beginning of what God would do. Between that first group of gifts and the others, there would be a day of grace. That's the day you and I are living in. Now, they were so angry at Jesus when they, they, they made accusation against him, they said he can't be the Christ. And they even, they even made up lies against him and brought him before Pilate. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. It was a custom that they would release a prisoner. Barabbas was a prisoner. You know why they chose Barabbas over Jesus? Barabbas had led in an insurrection. That's what the Bible says. He hated the Roman government. And he led in an insurrection working to overthrow the Roman government. When Jesus came, he said, render unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's. Some were confused. Some were not just confused, they were angry. They said, Jesus is not for us. Jesus is not going to overthrow the government. You see, he came to deliver us from something that was greater than a tyranny of a terrible government. He came to set us free from our sin. Did you get what I said? He came to set us free from our sin in our sinfulness, in our selfishness. All we desire is that we are made happy Oh, but God desires more than making us happy. God desires for us the best that we would have, not only life, but have eternal life in heaven. So Jesus came to deliver man from sin, and they said, we'll take Barabbas. At least he's trying to set us free. You can crucify Jesus. You know what they were? They were like children angry that they didn't get to open all their presents. But I got good news for us today. While we enjoy the gifts of his coming the first time, he's coming again. And the excitement, the anticipation of that day to come. Oh, it's going to take many by surprise. Many are going to be surprised because they're not watching for his return. And may I say to you on this beautiful Christmas morning, he's coming again. And we ought to so live our lives watching for the return of Christ and being ready not only in our soul for salvation, but being ready in our life and living that we not be ashamed at his coming. I'm going to read you some verses that are promises of things to come. John 14, 3. 
if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The first time he came to earth to give us salvation in this old wicked, sin-filled world, the next time he's taking us to his home, he's taking us to the place where there is no sin and there is no sorrow and sadness. Matthew 25, 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That's yet to come. Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. We think about the first time he came. The angels appeared to the shepherds. And the shepherds said, go tell them that the Christ child is born. Ah, but when he comes the next time, it'll not be just to the shepherds and for them to spread the word. Oh, his appearing, the Bible says, and every eye shall see him. Open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Let's walk through the promises. Chapter 2, verse number 25. But that which ye have already, hold fast till it come. There's more to come. There's more to come. Hold on to the gifts, to the blessings, to the goodness that you have already received in Christ. Ah, but hold on. There's more to come. Chapter 3, verse number 11. Revelation, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. What does he mean? He means keep on serving Christ. Keep on serving him until the day that he comes because there are crowns to be won. Why would we want a crown? Would we wear a crown in heaven? Oh no, not to wear. Ah, but listen, of all he's done for me, I want something to do for him. So I want to win the crowns that I can that I may cast them at his feet and say to him, Thou art worthy, and he is to be king of kings and lord of lords. Chapter 16 of Revelation, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk nakedly, naked, and they see his shame. Revelation 22, 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I come quickly. Now I love this. And my reward is with me. My reward is with thee. To give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation twenty two twenty. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Go back to chapter 19. Let's look at a series of verses. Chapter 19 and verse number 11. Now John is as Isaiah John is called the revelator or he sees into the future as God brings him to that third heaven and lets him see what's going to happen. And just as Isaiah prophesied the coming of Christ the first time and the coming of Christ the second time, John takes us and shows us a glimpse of what's going to happen when he comes again. Revelation 19, verse number 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. 
Boy, this is exciting. I've never seen the start to a ball game to beat this right here. I've never seen the start uh, and the bands playing and everybody excited and hoping their team has a chance to win. Hey, dear friend, on this day, it won't be a guess as to who's going to win. I know who's going to win, and I'm glad I'll be on the winning side. Here's what he says in verse number twi- uh, 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And it was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, that's yet to come. I'm excited about what's already happened. I'm glad that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I'm glad that Jesus went to Calvary and paid for my sin. I'm glad he arose from the grave. I'm thankful for the blessings that I receive. I'm thankful that he made the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we received that after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit indwelt the believer. And when you trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit is a gift. And he brings gifts. And he gives those to us at salvation. I'm excited about that. Oh, but the anticipation. I'm looking forward to next Christmas already. And it might be even today. Jesus is coming again. Now that's the arrival of Christ. The second point is this. The gift of his acknowledgement. Now I'll just start this and I'll finish it tonight. He came to earth the first time. And gave the opportunity to be accepted as Savior. Now hear me well. God does not force you to trust Him. Jesus does not force you to make Him your Savior. He said, whosoever will. In our sin, we can choose to live in our sin, die and go to a devil's hell. Or we can choose to receive His payment for our sin. We can choose to serve him. He did not force himself when he came the first time. Oh, but dear friend, when he comes the second time, he will be acknowledged. He'll be acknowledged as the judge of the world and the redeemer to the child of God. He will finish redemption's plan. Every eye shall see him. You say, preacher, what do you mean he'll finish redemption's plan? plan. When Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, gave us salvation by grace through faith, when I received him as Savior, I became sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. What's the fulfillment of the redemption? Well, when I was a boy growing up, my grandmother would can vegetables. She did it outside. She had two big number two wash tubs. They were sitting up on concrete blocks. I would help to split and carry the wood and keep the fire going. I enjoyed that. She would fill those those big number two wash tubs up with mason jars filled with green beans and what have you. The day of redemption wasn't filled when those were sealed. I remember her taking them out of that boiling water after so many hours and setting them on the concrete window seal, and they would make that noise. 
I would say, what is that? She would say, they're sealed. It's sealed. Now, what's the day of redemption? That's the day I ate them. That was January when it was below zero and you couldn't raise a garden, but you wanted garden food. You went out and you got one of those cans or two or three and all the different vegetables and you had a feast. Folks, the redemption plan is not complete. I'm completely saved, but one day I'm going to heaven and what we rejoice in already is just a tip of the iceberg of what we're going to have when we get to glory. And I'm going to tell you, even between, there is a 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ that God's people are going to rule and reign in righteousness on the earth. There won't even be a bill considered of expanding gambling or alcohol or any of the sort. He will rule and reign in righteousness. The next time he comes, he'll come to overcome the governments of the world and then the government will be on his shoulders. Isaiah tells us that when Christ comes again, he's given many titles, wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. Some are confused today because they think, well, Christ came, but we don't have peace. Christ came as the lamb. When he comes again, he's going to come as the lion and there'll be a rule of righteousness and there will be peace in the world. Isaiah tells us that, that, that life will be extended in the early parts of the Bible. For example, Methuselah is the oldest living man 969 years old when he died. In the millennial reign, if someone dies at two or three hundred years old, they'll consider them a child. And the world talks about peace, but God will say, let me show you what peace looks like. And he will take a lamb, and he will take a lion. The lion has to be kept in a cage today because he'll kill the lamb. But in the day when he declares peace, the lamb and the lion will sit together. And the child will play by what was once a poisonous snake or a venomous animal. And God said there will be peace in the world. Hey folks, we've just got part of our presence He's coming again. Ah, and when he comes again, you haven't even imagined how wonderful it's going to be. Stand with me if you will. I'll finish the message tonight.